Amen. Years ago, a farmer was taking a much-deserved break from his plowing in the fields. And he was sitting under a tree and he was looking up at the clouds that were passing through the sky. And he noticed that two clouds were coming together. And those clouds seemed to be forming two letters of the alphabet. He saw in the clouds the letters P and C. P and C. And so he very quickly ran back to the farmhouse and he said to his wife, I believe I'm being told to preach Christ. I've seen the letters PC. I believe I'm to preach Christ. And so he rang his pastor. He says, Pastor, would you let me preach this Sunday? And he begged and he pleaded. Eventually the pastor said, that's okay. You can preach this coming Lord's Day. And of course he mounted the pulpit. He opened his Bible. And it was dreadful. It was really, really bad. Maybe you'll think I'm that man in half an hour. I don't know. But it was really bad. And he fumbled and he stumbled and he stuttered and he started. The drive home was very quiet. There's been many a quiet drive home from Bangerfree, Many Sundays. But it was a quiet drive home. And his wife very tenderly reached out and held his hand. She said, sweetheart, I don't think the PC meant preach Christ. I think the Lord was telling you to keep on planting corn. Keep on planting corn. Well, today we're thinking about preaching Christ. And yet we're also thinking about the corn. Because this is our harvest service. A time where we remember Christ and all of the good things that he has provided. And remember that all of the good things that we enjoy, the gifts we have, come straight from the Lord Jesus Christ. Harvest is a time for thanksgiving. It's a time for praise. And it's a time for worship. And we... As the people of God in a time of harvest. Must show that attitude of gratitude. And must be so thankful for everything the Lord has done for us. I once heard a preacher say that there's two kinds of people in a congregation. There's those who are humbly grateful. And there's those who are grumbly hateful. I wonder today which category are you in? The humbly grateful or the grumbly hateful. But harvest time is a time. Where we stop and thank God for all the good gifts that he has sent our way. And as I prepare to speak at this harvest service, the Lord directed my attention. The verse 17 of chapter 1. That every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights. It's a verse that reminds us of our immutable, unchanging God. It's a verse that reminds us of our covenant God who was promised to provide and to give and to sustain. It's a verse that points us to Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He's wonderful and he's ever gracious to us. And this morning I want to think for a few moments about God's good gifts. God's good gifts. And what we learn about them in verse 17. I want you to firstly notice the divinity of these gifts. The divinity of the gifts. Look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It is from above. They come from the divine Son of God. I was reading once about a kingdom into which were born two heirs to the throne. A set of twins. Two young boys. And there was no way of knowing which one of those two boys had been born first. And the court gathered round and it looked into the cradle and into the crib at these two bubbling baby boys. Do you know one of those boys, he had his fists clenched into wee balls, 
tight in its mother's crib. And yet the other little boy, his, his hands were opened wide. And the council decided unanimously that that little boy be chosen as the king. In fact, he was called the king of the open hand or the king with the open palm. And he was known far and near for his generosity and his giving and his kindness. Would you know, dear friend, today as we come to think of God, this harvest service, praise be to the name of God. We serve a God with an open palm. We serve a God with an open hand. We don't serve a tight-fisted God who, who doesn't want to give us anything and who doesn't want to bless us and who doesn't want to favor us. My friend, we come today to the Father of lights. We come to worship the God who sends every good thing and every perfect gift. Every good thing that any child of God has ever experienced has come from above. It comes from God. Augustine, that early church father, he said, God is always trying to give good things to us. The problem is our hands are usually too full of other things to receive them. Augustine was saying, God is always ready and willing to give good gifts towards us. Was that not the burden of Matthias Claudius when he wrote that hymn we've just sang? All good gifts around us are sent. They're sent from heaven above the divinity of these gifts. And child of God, that's something that's imperative. It's something that's crucial for you to remember this harvest. The good things we enjoy are our food, our family, the very faith we have, our friends. None of these things have been worked upwards. They've all been sent downwards. It's all the gift of God. You see, every good thing, every happy thing, every thrilling thing, every quiet rest, it all comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, everything that's ever been good in all the countless years of redemptive history has been from God and God alone. From the outstretched palm of the King who's willing to give. And today, everything we have, we owe to Him. Everything we possess and enjoy, we owe to him. Do you remember what Paul said to the church in Corinth? He said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 on the verse number 7. He asked this question, What hast thou that thou hast not received? What do you have in your life that you haven't been given? The answer is nothing. Because all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Do you know today, dear friend, there's only one thing in your life that you can really call your own. There's only one thing you can say that's yours. Not your sin. It's the only thing you have that's yours. Everything else has been the gift of a holy and a righteous and a covenant God. And this harvest, as you think about the sweetness of the things you've been given, don't forget about the source of those things. They come from God. In fact, in Christ, we have more than we need. In Christ we have more than we deserve. In Christ we have everything we could hope for. And today we have the privilege, don't we, of worshipping and praising and thanking a God who gives. Do you know today as we think about God's giving of temporal things, we need to pause and think about the greatest gift God has ever given. Not a gift of produce. Not a gift of products but the gift of a person. 
The gift of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Harvest is a time when we need to remember the words of John chapter 3 and the verse 16. That God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And praise God today for the divinity, the goodness of the gift of grace in Jesus our Redeemer. And so we remember the divinity of these gifts. They come from above. Notice not only the divinity of the gifts. I want you also to notice the quality of the gifts. Not just the divinity, but the quality. Look at verse 17. James describes these gifts as good gifts. As perfect gifts. Sometimes the gifts we give are not so good. Or are not so perfect. Or are not so suitable. That's why gift receipts exist. Because sometimes they're just not right. I once heard of a mother. She had three sons. And it was coming up to her birthday. And one of the sons, he says, Mom, I'm going to buy you a brand new Tesla car. So there you go, sons. If it's your mom's birthday coming up, you start saving up for the new car. He says, Mom, I'm going to buy you a Tesla car. Another son, he said, well, seeing as it's mom's birthday, I'm going to buy her a brand new expensive apartment. The third son, he says, well, I know my mom likes reading the Bible, but her eyesight's failing. She's aged in years now. And so I've bought her a parrot. And this parrot can recite the word of God and she can ask it for a verse and it'll say it. And so a letter was written about a week later by the mother. She says, Michael, thank you for the car, but I'm really too old to drive. She says, Jack, thank you for the apartment, but it's really too expensive to heat and it's too big for just me. And then she said, Lucas... Thank you for your gift. You really know what your mother likes. That was the nicest roast chicken I've ever eaten in my life. She'd gone ahead and eaten the par. That present was a good present, but it was used in the wrong way. And here James says that every gift God gives is a good and a perfect gift. Isn't it great this harvest to remember that God is good all the time? And all the time, God is good. God is perfect. And everything that comes from him is stamped with the same perfection that he possesses. His eternal, immutable perfection. Uh, do you know, I was thinking of this this week. When God created man, he gave him a stomach and he, and he made food. Do you know when God made food, he could have just made rice and stopped there. He could have had us on a diet of bland, unflavored, unseasoned rice forever and ever. Bear in mind, God does not need to eat. God does not need to taste. God does not need sweet or, or, or savoury. Why does God care if we just ate rice forever and ever? And yet he didn't do that. He gave us raspberries and he gave us strawberries. He gave us avocado and he gave us coconut. He gave us sweet and he gave us savoury. He gave us textures and he gave us tastes. He gave us spices and he gave us seasoning. Why? Because when God gives, he gives good. And when God gives, he gives Perfect. He's given these things that we may glorify him for them. My friend, everything God gives us is perfect. And that includes, dear friend, the dark providences he brings our way as well. God is no less good and no less perfect when he brings us through that valley experience. Maybe this harvest, it's a difficult harvest for you. Maybe it's a harvest of sadness, of separation, of sorrow, or of sickness. 
The Lord has brought you into that lonesome valley and you're here this morning with heartache and with despair. I want you to remember that even over those times, God is still good. And he's still perfect. And he's still right in all that he does. And my friend, he's still in control. And he designs, even through sadness, to bring goodness to his people. Even through sadness, he deigns to bring goodness to his people. Does the word of God not teach us all things work together for good to them that love God? My friend, he takes even the sorrow. Remember hearing about a pastor, he went out with a few farmers for a breakfast. One of those farmers, he said, you know, Lord, I I don't much care for raw flour. I don't much care for raw egg. I don't much care for raw baking powder. But Lord, I thank you for the pancakes. And now you're able to take those things and mix it all together for good. You know, my friend, today, maybe you're in a difficult situation. Maybe you've been led into a valley today. Know this. All things work together for good. Because God is a good and a perfect God. It was George Mueller who said, Our Heavenly Father never takes anything from his children unless he first means to give them something better. My friend, today maybe the Lord has taken something from you. It may be he's willing to give you something even better in its place. Trust him for the days Ahead, And of course the greatest gift God ever gave as we think about the quality of his giving was the gift to sinful man of his only begotten son. We say with the hymn writer, was there a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. No, not one. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What a God he is. That he would give his son. Gypsy Smith. That great Roma preacher. He used to say when God loves. He loves a world. And when God gives. He gives a son. And praise God today that when God gives. He gives good. And when God gives. He gives perfect. We think of the divinity of these gifts. They are from above. We think of the quality of the gifts. That they're good and they're perfect. I want you also to notice the multiplicity. Of these gifts. The multiplicity of these gifts. You see James here says. Every good gift. And every perfect gift. I believe the implication. The indication. Is that God doesn't just give. One gift. But that the gifts of God are many. They're, they're, they're many in number. Not only are they great in their quality. But dear believer today. God's gifts are great in their quantity. It's certainly been my experience. I know it's been yours as well. That God hasn't measured out his grace by teaspoons. He measures it by the bucket load. He gives grace and he gives grace and he gives grace again. Annie Annie Johnson Flint wrote that beautiful hymn, He Giveth More Grace. She ended the chorus by saying, He giveth, he giveth, he giveth again. My friend, that's the God we serve. And at this time of harvest, there needs to be not only a collecting in of God's blessings... But I believe there needs to be a counting up of God's blessings. As we realize just how wonderful the Lord has been to each and every one of us. I believe we need to pause and consider the blessings of God in our lives. A certain farmer was discouraged at the harvest that his farm had yielded. And he decided he was going to pack the whole thing in. I'm going to leave farming behind. 
And so he went down to the estate agents. And he says, look, I'm going to sell you the farm. It comes with all the tractors, all the combines, all the equipment, all the tools. He says, but I can't stick it one day longer. So the estate agent came out and they took their pictures. And they did their write-up. You know the way they write up about it properly. And here's what the write-up said. It said this. This stunning farm is in an ideal location. It provides both wet and dry seasons through the year. It comes fully furnished with all modern equipment and all technology needed to glean a healthy crop. In the fields are thriving livestock. And they graze upon green acres of fertile ground. This splendid farm provides a wonderful, beautiful vista of the countryside. You know, whenever the farmer read that, he said, Stop, stop, stop. He says, I'm not going to sell the farm. I've been looking for somewhere like that my whole life. I've been looking for somewhere like that my whole life. You see, he didn't realize that what he had been searching for was right in front of him. He had failed to count up the blessings of God. And how like that farmer you and I can be. We want this and we want that. And we want something bigger and something better. And yet God's not going to give us anything until we thank him for what he's given already. And now there needs to be a pause. As we thank God for all of his gifts. Friends, listen. Never take God's goodness for granted. We need to be on our knees daily thanking him for every temporal, spiritual, and eternal blessing he sent our way. And I charge you today, as you go home in a few moments, as you sit around your dinner table, as you speak to family, and you enjoy a meal together, you look around and you thank God for each and everything he's brought your way. Thank him for the food. Thank him for the home. Thank him for the health in your body. Thank him for the clothes on your back. Thank him for the many good things he's brought your way. Do you know, dear believer, consider this. It's a hard challenge. If you had woken up this morning and you only woke up to what you thanked God for yesterday, how much would you have? How little would you have? If you only had today what you thanked them for yesterday, would you have a family? Would you have a home? Would you have clothes on your back? Would you have food in the cupboards? My friend, let's never take his goodness for granted. But let's be daily thanking him for all of his benefits towards us. Not only do I want you to notice the multiplicity, the divinity, the quality, I want you also to notice the constancy of these gifts. You see, James says, these gifts cometh from Above, cometh down from the Father of lights. You know, we give gifts at certain time in the year. If it's your birthday, if it's Christmas, if it's a special occasion, we give presents. You know, sometimes I buy my wife presents just for the sake of it. She gets very suspicious. She starts to ask questions. If ever she's given a present and it's not her birthday, what have you done? What have you got me into? Who have you offended? What have you said? You know, friends... God doesn't need a reason to give gifts. You see, that verb cometh down in the original Greek. It's written in the imperfect present continuous. That means it's always coming down. That his good and his perfect gifts, they never stop. It's not as if he gives and then he waits and then he gives and then he waits. It's that he never stops giving. Never stops. He is unrelentingly, unceasingly, unstoppably blessing his children day by day and hour by hour. God is relentless when it comes to blessing. 
absolutely relentless. He doesn't need a reason. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask him? In fact, friend, day by day, God doesn't need a reason, by the way, to give you good things. God doesn't need you to do something and then he'll say, well, I'm going to bless you for that or I'm going to give you something now in return. He doesn't need a reason to bless us. In fact, I would posit to you today, we give God daily 1,000 reasons not to bless us. That day by day we give God a hundred reasons not to be kind to us, not to be good to us, not to be gracious to us. And yet how wonderful is God that none of the reasons we give him are ever good enough. He continues to give and to give and to give again. He loves us simply because he loves us. Isn't that the gospel message? We didn't give God a reason to send his son into this world. We did everything to the opposite. We give God every reason not to send his son and to condemn us all to a lost eternity. Nothing you did convinced him. Nothing you did coerced him. Nothing you did cajoled him. My friend, out of love for your soul, he sent his son despite your sin, despite your failure, despite your guilt. He gives because he loves. Since he never stops loving, friends, he never stops giving. Never stops. There was an actor by the name of Samuel Foote. He had wealthy relatives. And in turn, three of his relatives died. And each one of them bequeathed an inheritance to him. And his motto in life after receiving three inheritances back to back was again and again and again. That's what he used to say as he went around again and again and again. I have been blessed. Could that not be the motto of the child of God? God has blessed me again. And again. And again. Do you remember Psalm 68 and the verse 19? Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. He's the God who gives daily. Notice not only the constancy of the gifts, but very quickly, notice the agency of the gifts. Notice the agency. Why does God give the way he does? Why does God act this way? Well, I believe James gives us some indication. He goes on to say that these gifts come, notice it there, from the Father of lights. Now, there's a, in the Greek, there's a definite article there. There's the word the place before lights. He's the Father of the lights. The reference is to the, to the sun. And to the moon, he's the one who created the sun. He's the one who created the moon. And you might ask, well, why did God create a sun? And why did God create a moon? Well, did he not create it so that he may guide us? That he may make us see? That he may direct us and govern us? Did he not give us the sun that he might warm us and reveal things to us that we wouldn't have seen without it? My friend, I believe James makes the connection here. To the sun and moon because he's saying the reason God gives good gifts to his children is because by those gifts he guides us and he leads us in the way he would have us to go. And by his gifts and his giving and his blessing he reveals things about himself that we would have never have known without them. God gives us good and perfect gifts to lead us back to himself. To lead us back to his throne of grace that we might know him more intimately. And friend, listen. This harvest, as you think of the good gifts he's given to you, ask yourself, what have they taught me about Christ? God's given me a family. God's given me food. God's given me clothes. God's given me health. 
what have I learned about God and how have I been drawn closer to God as a result? Do God's presence lead you to God's presence? Do his presence lead you to his presence? Or is it the case that we love the gifts more than we love the giver? This harvest let the sweetness of his gifts lead you to a song of thanksgiving. We see the agency of the gifts. They lead us back to the Lord. I also want you to notice the expectancy of the gifts. Notice how James ends here in the verse 17. He says, they come down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James reminds us that our God is the God without a shadow. He's the God who never changes. He's the God who never turns. He's the God of whom the writer of Hebrews could say, he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he will be the same forever. He's immutable, unchanging. And in light of that, as we thank him today for the blessings that he has brought, coming up with great faith and expectancy, look ahead to the many blessings he will bring. To the many good things he will bring our way in days ahead. Can we not venture out onto tomorrow in full anticipation that the God who never changes will go before me? And he doesn't go before me to judge me, but to bless me and to bestow upon me good and perfect gifts. Do you remember David as he writes that wonderful shepherd psalm? He says there, surely, surely, definitely, certainly, goodness and mercy shall follow me. The Hebrew word he uses is the word pursue. Goodness and mercy will chase me all the days of my life. He will be our guide, even unto death. And so long as God guides, God gives. He'll bestow his blessing upon us. We think of the Lord of the harvest who gives every good and every perfect gift. Can we not, as the hymn writer says, praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that's to come. And then lastly, as I close, I want you to think of the responsibility of these gifts. The responsibility of the gifts of God. You know, in Psalm 116, verse 12, The psalmist asks a a solemn and a searching personal question. He asks this, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? God has given to me so richly. That's what we're thinking about at harvest. And yet the psalmist says, What am I going to do in light of that? You see, there's a responsibility placed upon us. God, to whom much is given, is much expected. And friends, what does God expect? Of us, Well, I suggest to you that our response to the blessing of God should be threefold. There should be adoration. The gifts we have should lead us to adore the good God who reigns over heaven and earth. We should love him more and more with each new day as God continues to bless. We should continue to live in total adoration of the giver. Not only should there be adoration, I suggest there should be appreciation. We need to thank him. We need to praise him. And today in the quietness of your own home between the morning and evening service, will you take some time out of your day to thank God for everything that he has brought to you? The believer must be one of gratitude. Not only should there be adoration, not only should there be appreciation, friends, there should be consecration. In light of everything God has given to you, especially in the sending of his son, Our response should be like that of Paul's. What would you have me to do? 
Lord, what would you have me to do? Our response at harvest, as we think of all these good things, should be, Lord, here am I. Here am I. I present my body. A living sacrifice. There's a well-known preacher over in the States. Made an appeal to his congregation to launch a new building project. And he said to the congregation that Lord's Day, I want you to bring your, your, your offerings for this new project up to the front of the church. And I want you to give what you can to help with this new building. One by one, the men in the congregation, the women too, got up to leave their offering at the front of the church. Do you know there was a little girl at the back of that church, a wheelchair-bound girl? She began to make her way to the front. This little girl didn't have money. She didn't have finances. She didn't have checks or cards or cash. But she made her way to the front because what she did have was a ring. A ring that her grandmother had given her. She wheeled herself up to the front of that church. She took off that ring. She placed it in the basket. You know, after the service, the pastor heard about this and there was that feeling of tremendous guilt. And he called the little girl into his office and he says, little girl, thank you for what you did today. It was a good thing that you did and a good choice that you made. He says, but look, the offerings in the basket were able to pay for the deficit of this building fund. And we've been able to pay off our debt. He says, and so a committee have met. And we'd like to give you back your ring. You can keep it as a memory and as a treasure. You know that little girl looked stern-faced at her pastor, unfazed, and she said these words, I didn't give that ring to you. I gave that ring to God. You see, she knew she had to give something back to the God who had been so good to her. And my friend, in light of everything God has done for you, In light of food, friends, family and faith. I ask you today. What are you going to give to the Lord? For all of his goodness towards you. If you're here today and you're unsaved. Don't give him your words. Don't give him your church attendance. Don't give him your sympathies. Scripture says in the book of Proverbs. My son. Give me thine heart. Today if you're outside of Christ. He's been so good to you. Even despite your sin. He gave his son for you. Come, give him your heart and life today and cry out for salvation through the blood of Calvary's Lamb. Amen. And we trust the Lord will bless these few thoughts to our hearts this morning.